Hi, I'm Sean L. McCarthy, founding editor of the Comics Comic, found wherever you can type the Comics Comic into your electronic devices. Welcome to Last Things First, the show that asks comedians about the historic lasts and firsts in their lives as their comedy careers have blossomed, from young people's dreams to adult people living those dreams, or still dreaming. Questions both big and small are asked and answered. It's hopefully both amusing and illuminating. Haley Joel Osment was just a kid when he made his movie debut in Forrest Gump, racked up TV appearances as Jeff Foxworthy's sitcom son and the Murphy Brown baby growing up, and earned his first Oscar nomination at the tender age of 11 for seeing dead people in The Sixth Sense. He's also worked with Steven Spielberg, starring in AI, and Pay It Forward in Pay It Forward. After graduating from NYU, he returned with roles on Comedy Bang Bang in both of IFC's soap opera satires with Will Ferrell. He now steals scenes on HBO's Silicon Valley. I caught up with him in Hollywood to catch us all up on his career and life growth before Silicon Valley's fourth season comes to an end. So let's get to it! So, Haley Joel Osment, thanks for joining me on Last Things First. No problem, man. Good to see you. Uh, so, uh, Last Things First, um, Silicon Valley, it, people were surprised to see you. <laughs> were you? Yeah, were, <laughs> yeah I kind of sneak in there. Yeah, I was surprised to see myself, too. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I've been a fan of the show since it first came out, and I had met Thomas and Kumail before at some shows and everything. They're really awesome guys. Um, but, uh, yeah, just, uh, read for it last fall and still had my beard and long hair from this show I shot in South Africa last year, which okay. I thought I would be, <laughs> be asked to cut. Right. They're like, oh no, that's kind of perfect for this guy. So <laughs> yeah, well, you'll, you'll see, you'll see a little bit more of him revealed, uh, this coming Sunday. I feel yeah. like I'm looking into my past <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> or you're looking into your future. <laughs> I think it's better. If we... no. <laughs> it's so... a bright future. <laughs> So your career got started at such a, an early age. Did you did you fully comprehend what was going on? Yeah, I um was was lucky to work on some pretty cool stuff from the get go. Um, I mean, I don't remember my... Thunder Alley. Yeah, yeah do you remember was, Thunder Alley? That, I think we only lasted a season, but I do. Yeah, and uh, uh, Jim Beaver, who uh, uh, was on that show, is one of our uh, you know longest uh, uh, family friends now from oh, wow. that experience. So, okay, yeah, that was that was a fun one, and when working with Ed Asner and everything, and uh, uh, yeah, it's yeah, I guess it it almost helps me remember things better because the schedule of shooting things and having all these very memorable things happen at those ages sort of helps me reconstruct the past for myself pretty right. well. Like for Forrest, you know, uh, Forrest Gump, I learned to to tie my shoes at the hotel at that one. And uh, it was like one of the first times I'd ever been out of the state of California was flying to shoot that in South Carolina. So it's all these little things that kind of stick in your mind from a young age. What what's, yeah. what sticks in your mind from Philadelphia for six cents? Oh, man. Uh, that... I mean, we shot there because that's Knight's signature move. He always shoots right. in Philadelphia, but it was so perfect for that movie because of all the the history there, and you really feel, you know, in these. I mean, at least it's old for the United States, but right. um, you're more you likely know. to see dead people. In <laughs> I mean, that uh, that was the nice thing about it is that you would be, yeah, like plausibly, if you know, if there were such a thing as as ghosts haunting the place, Philadelphia would be kind of right. saturated with them, but. Um, yeah, I and I what I really remember from that movie was that part of the study that I was doing to uh, put together this performance, uh, you know, it, it involved a lot of fear and, and trauma and that kind of stuff was, uh, you know, my dad and I would rehearse the scenes, but it was also showing me 
you know, I was 10 at the time, so I was just old enough to see some of the classic horror movies. We were watching, uh, you know, Alien and stuff like that, and, you know, just seeing the way that horror had been done well in the past. Um, you know, so that kind of... That was, that was also the first time I saw Blade Runner. So, And we were staying at the top of this... Um, uh, a condo unit on like the 30th floor in Philadelphia that had kind of a view of the city that sort of was reminiscent to me of like the Blade Runner stuff and everything. So it was a really cool kind of uh, time that made your imagination run wild. You know, most people, when they think of you, they think of either Sixth Sense or maybe AI. Um, those aren't funny performances. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but then if it, but then before and after that, you know, Thunder Alley was a sitcom, and then you had two years with Jeff Foxworthy. That's right, yeah. You worked on that show, and then after that, we did uh, the last two seasons of Murphy Brown, which is really fun, too. Yeah, I was the, Wait, I what was, did you play in Murphy Brown? I were you the, the baby? No, you weren't the baby because you were too I went through old. a time warp because, yeah, I was the baby. The baby from, like, 92. The Dan that Quayle was baby. baby? And then, yeah, in the five years, grew up to be 11, so... Yeah. <laughs> Did you understand when, when people brought up, like, the Dan Quayle I should probably stuff? close the door. Yeah. No, I'll, I'll get it. I'll get it. I'll get it. There's, they're working on the bathrooms at the comedy store with a buzzsaw. Um, but did you – you know, Murphy Brown having a, a child as a single mother, like, that created a whole pop culture political – Firestorm. Yes. Were you aware of any of that uh, my... when you <laughs> when you got hired into that? The studio teacher that taught me frequently for many years, uh, Lois Carl, was a great uh, New Deal Democrat and progressive. So we, we there was a lot of great solid political uh, stuff that we'd look into. I was really into the presidents when I was in elementary school, and still am to some degree. Um, but but yeah, we we wait uh... to which degree? Uh... <laughs> to which degree are you? Uh, not so much. Lately. Are you interested in the president right now? I'm trying to ignore it now, but <laughs> um, but uh, um, yeah, I, I was aware of the history, and it was nice to be a you know someone who, in some respect, was a thorn in Dan Quayle's side. <laughs> did did those like early gigs in comedy though? Did that like put a, a, a seed, plant a seed in you for for yeah, coming in back some to do? Because a lot of your recent work has been. All comedy. Yeah, and I would I would attribute that mostly just to the you know the fact that it's such a great time for comedy in general. So so many of these things like being on uh, Comedy Bang Bang or Drunk History or you know and a lot of that stuff um, uh, is just that's some of the best work that's that's around right now. You know, some of the most creative people are, are working through comedy, and you know people like Thomas and uh, Scott Ackerman at Comedy Bang Bang, who I respect so much. And um, I guess it's the the style is certainly a lot different from doing sitcoms in the late 90s, but there was a foundation for timing and things like that that you learn from doing a show like that. And I and I also enjoyed the, um, you know, locked in schedule that you have where you, you know, rehearse Wednesday, Thursday, you have a run through on Friday for producers, camera rehearsals on Monday, and then you have a live show Tuesday. Right, because those are all yeah. multi-cams in exactly. front of a live studio yeah. audience. And it was, that was a really fun kind of routine. And also just going in front of a live audience once a week, you know, even, you know, doing, uh, being at that age, it's still really exciting and it sort of gives you the bug for performance in, in that way. So, you know, as a f- famous child actor, you know, everybody has all the questions about, how do you get through those teenage years without <laughs> going down the dark path? When you did hit your teen years, did you think about going a different way out of acting, exploring other avenues? Never seriously. I uh, Part of going to college uh, and leaving Los Angeles for a while was to allow for the possibility that there might be something that I, something else that I'd be interested in. Um 
you know, and when I uh, was looking at colleges, I hadn't, you know, I didn't decide until I, you know, uh, applied to NYU that I would even study uh, drama or film or anything in college. And I just really loved what I saw of the program when I visited and also was very uh, attracted to the idea of living in New York City, which I still do most of the time. Um, but yeah, I just, I uh, flirted with the idea of doing a double major with history and I was going to go do the study abroad program at Mm -hmm. NYU. And then I was just looking down the barrel of being in school for many, many years, which I would (laughs) have, which I would have enjoyed, but I really knew that this is what I wanted to do and, you know, learned great things at, at college and got to do some theater. And, uh, yeah, this is just... Uh, as I've gotten older, it's just really solidified for me that this is, you know, what I want to be involved with. Were, what were your high school years like? Were they? It was, you know, were I, you here in California? So it's kind of like I was, yeah, one of those Beverly Hills High and no, no. Uh, oh, there's I, twelve actors in my class, so it's all right. Oh uh, yeah, no, there so wasn't not, really much. It's not of like that. you stand out as much. No, and and um, it's just I can't imagine how difficult it is now because the college application process I think continues to get more difficult as time goes on. But after my uh, freshman year of high school, I was mostly just focused on school and, mm-hmm. you know, applying to college, doing all those standardized tests and all that. My mom is a sixth grade teacher, so education was really heavily emphasized in okay. our house. So I was mostly just doing that and had a great time in high school, made uh, a lot of good friends that I, you know, still am very close with. And it's nice to have that, you know, a social life that isn't totally revolving around this industry and everything, mm-hmm. even though I'm, you know, happy to know a lot of people in this business. It's good that my social group was very separate from that and, okay. and still is to a, uh, to a good extent. So, uh, yeah, it was good. And then I, I, uh, lived with my, one of my best friends from high school in New York when we went to NYU together. So it was, uh, okay. it was a good time. Yeah. So that helped like <laughs> ground you a little bit. Oh, it's just, you know, it's just, uh, you know, a lot of fun to be close with people throughout those, you know, those years. And, and I still have some of my, my happiest memories of my life are those, you know, being 18 and going and studying all this new stuff. I studied experimental theater at, uh, at NYU, and it's just uh, uh, a really cool time to kind of explore and see what you want to do creatively. What do the uh, you know What do the professors at NYU or any college tell you when you show up to campus and you already have an Academy Award nomination? <laughs> I don't think they were phased at all because <laughs> do they go. Well, there's nothing really I can tell you, Haley. <laughs> no, there's Mr. Always... Mr. Oz, Mr. Osmond. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it'd be the same as I I would think a uh, you know. A, music school or something where there's always more to learn there's mm-hmm. always you know new techniques you can learn and material you can do so and a good thing was that i didn't really know until the last minute whether i would do film or theater and then once you're in the theater program like what type of uh, uh, path you'd take and what studio you go into and they put me in the absolute right place for me at, at, uh, at etw the experimental theater wing there because uh, it was a lot of work that was very different than anything I'd ever done in film and television. Yeah. So, so what did you what did you learn about yourself? There was by going to college. Um, just the oh, you've got that. That would that would be uh, there's a whole book in that. <laughs> but it, I'd say that mainly in do that you have program, the proposal ready? Because no, I can get you. I don't in touch think with I'll some, ever do that. Some literary I'm gonna, agents. I'm going to save that for the for the 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 film ideas. But okay, it's uh. That there were a lot of different paths to creating work. That was my the f- favorite thing that they really taught us at ETW, and that um, in creating a character and in creating a story or a you know an idea or something that can start from you know I, I think before uh, college when I was you know fumbling around trying to write things. Um, 
And it's, you know, it's a, it's a the common thing. You know, you want to have a plot and this arc and you mm-hmm. have a beginning, middle, and end. And a lot of the times ECW, you kind of work out from the center. You find this little kernel of an idea in the physical quality of a character that can become, a, you know, its own play or idea or something like that. So that was uh, that kind of spontaneity and uh, flexibility that they taught us there was, was really appealing and is very useful now in everything that I do. So just so I understand... When you're talking about experimental theater, yes, would something like uh, the musical Hamilton qualify as experimental theater? I would not be surprised if there were some alums in the in the group because I I don't think that would it's like okay here's a historical classified that let's way. turn it into a hip hop musical. I would, but I wouldn't be surprised if that was the kind of work cast. that would come out of it because yeah it's yeah it's thinking of things in a a, a you know unconventional way and right. taking you know. Uh, ostensibly uh, different genres and everything and, and uh, you know, applying them to that idea. What did you yeah. do for – did you have, like, a senior project you had to do? Yes. Yeah, I, did, I wrote and directed a, uh, a play that uh, is still kind of floating around. I'm not sure what to do with it <laughs> in a further form. But, yeah, that was, you know, that was my senior year of What was school. the experimental part of it? Um <laughs> It's structure, and it was something that I, I didn't start with a story. I just started with some weird characters that kind of came out in the self-scripting classes and everything and kind of created a story with that. Okay. So, and got to work with, you know, it's really fun creating that stuff with your friends. And now, I mean, it's great because a lot of the people I met out there are coming and doing work here. Um, uh, Sarah Sutherland was in my class at ETW. She's on V playing Selena Meyer's daughter right now. Um, my friend... Olivia uh, is one of the cops in Fargo, you know, who's there. So you're seeing all these people that you did this, you know, fun work with in college, uh, you know, showing up in those places. It's really a, a good feeling. When you when you came out of college with your degree, though, you already had a pretty good CV in acting <laughs> built up. So what did you decide to do? What was your first move after graduation? Um, I I even after graduation, like I for about. Well, that was 2011. So for about three or four years was mostly just taking uh, small independent projects. Um, I did a film in Canada called uh, I'll Follow You Down. I did the play Red in Philadelphia. Um, I, we spent a couple of years developing and finally making this film Sex Ed, uh, which uh, came out a couple of years ago. And... Uh, I didn't really have like a set plan of attack, really. You know, I, it's it's only been in the you know past two or three years, I think that. I, and part of it was like not wanting to commit to moving back to Los Angeles because I loved living in New York so much. But right. when I was doing that play in Philadelphia, my agent was like, "Can you please come back to LA? It's very difficult to <laughs> to get seen for things." <laughs> and I was like, "All right, that's cool. Like this is this is fulfilling creatively, but yeah, as a as a uh, business strategy, it's not great to totally abandon LA." So here I am. <laughs> Did you find any, you know, thinking about past child actors, you know, they get kind of pigeonholed or thought of it in a certain way. Did you find that coming out from the other end of puberty that you could get casting people to look at you in a new light? I I think it's probably... Or did you have to grow the beard to do that? <laughs> that This was for personal... Re- I liked it as a, uh, you know, somewhat of a disguise, which I've now ruined by showing up in three consecutive shows with this. So I have to think of something else now. Right. But, uh, yeah, I think it's definitely a challenge when you have, you know, your idea... I mean, for, for you know, not just doing something as a, as a, a kid, uh, anybody that does a role that's really 
memorable and identifiable has to find ways to, uh, you know, get beyond that in some right. way. And it's uh, it's not something I've wanted to run away from because I'm really proud of those performances and those are, you know, movies that I, yeah, really proud and lucky to have worked on. But I think I've always known that it's a long game of just building up your resume of doing so many different things that eventually people can uh, accept all of those different things. Did did Steven Spielberg give you any advice about how to how to manage th- this part of your life? Um, I wouldn't say any ad- advice on on that aspect of it. Uh, he's he was is it was and is very invested in the people he worked with, particularly if they were kids. Right. Uh, I've continued to be <laughs> very impressed at his uh, you know a, a cards show up at the holidays and for graduation and for birthdays and you know I've, I've was uh, last time I saw him was at the John Williams event last year. He's very uh, very good about staying in touch with people and and. Uh, you know, that he's worked with, but I don't know. I think, um, it was cool that he trusted my dad who was on set a lot and was a really important part of my preparation and rehearsal and development as an actor. And I think that he liked what he saw because it's, it's a really unenviable position to be the parent of a kid on set because people kind of expect the worst of you. (laughs) And my, both of my parents have always just been so supportive and, and all about it being a positive experience for me. And, uh, keeping up with school and everything. So I think that he trusted my parents to lead me the right way. And they certainly did because um, I was able to complete my education and uh, hopefully come out of the whole thing all right. <laughs> were there were, were there other former child actors or people that you might have talked to to... Um, not really. To, I, I, uh, to see how do, you, how do you do this? I, not in that way. I, Jody Foster wrote me a very, very, very nice letter that I still have uh, during the award season. The Euro was nominated that, that was... Uh, very much about how, uh, as overwhelming as as uh, uh, award season can be, that this is just a bonus to it, and it's all about the work and just enjoying the work. And she was absolutely right. So when you started to make your way back into into out of indie stuff and into more like mainstream Hollywood stuff, started with Amazon actually, right? Yeah, with, yeah. with Alpha House, their first streaming series. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did that feel like a risk or did that feel like, oh, well, who knows what this is going to be? No. And that actually coincided with and and hilariously that that shot in New York. So as soon as I was like, all right, I'm going to come back and start like auditioning in L.A. and everything. <laughs> I got the series that, uh, you know, wonderfully shot in New York. I love doing those seasons there. That cast also is just terrific, too. Just Jonathan. a really deep cast. Did you get to tell your agent? I, 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 what was this about moving back? Uh, yeah, they, they've always. <laughs> yeah, they. They've always been on board. Um, but, uh, yeah, we did that, and that was really fun. And then now I'm I'm back with Amazon on Oasis, which is oh, a, okay. uh, uh, the show I did in South Africa. Um, that is uh, The pilot is up right now, and we're soon to find out whether we get picked up and get to go back. So. And that's – and Oasis was, was what gave you the – the scruffy the, yeah, look that's I had grown it out last summer. Silicon Valley audition. Yeah, I okay. play a, a, a ex weed farmer in the future. So the scruffiness, and I have some ex weed farmer in the future. Yeah, it, in it, Africa. Uh, yes. Yeah. Well, the show it's a different planet, but oh, okay. it's a dystopian future where we're trying to colonize another planet because Earth is, uh, you know, in in bad shape, and it's sort of the situation that like they did with. Uh, British criminals in the 1700s where you can either go to jail if you get arrested or they'll send you to the dangerous colony to try and survive, right. which we do on this other planet. So, right, the new Australia. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so that's not a comedy. 
Oasis is no, there's some there's some humor in it, but the the themes are it's pretty like dark. dark humor. Yeah. It's more like pretty dark. It's more like the humor in an aliens movie. Yeah, <laughs> and there is some. There's always some. Right. <laughs> Game over, man. Um, wait. So how did you how did you end up hooking up with the the IFC guys? Because both comedy Bang Bang and like the spoils of Babylon, all yeah. that stuff is the same kind of people yeah that how did is... you end up hooking up with them uh my agent just got uh got me into the first season of uh the spoils of babylon which was a mini series i wish we could shoot all year long because we have so much fun on that and yeah through that i think that's how i got uh, hooked up with ifc and then comedy bang bang that i did a couple a uh, couple seasons on as slow joey and uh yeah that i think spoil the spoils series are a great example of a, you know the new world that we live in and this very specific crazy idea with that incredible cast like i don't know if you could get you know get that made 10 or 15 years ago and now it's just something that we can kind of knock out right. in a couple weeks and uh yeah just had so much fun what did you learn from the from from like Scott Ackerman and the Comedy Bang Bang people? Gosh, um, I because that's a whole <laughs> other comedy crew. Yeah, well that that you know that show that podcast where they are so funny. It's like twice a week for several hours, and you know I'm, I was a devoted listener before I was ever on the show. Uh, just the the sort of freedom of those, uh, you know, the improvisations that they do. And yeah, just that, that, you know, that sort of style of comedy has become so influential. You see it popping up everywhere and they're doing stuff with, you know, an episode of, to, uh, you know, between two ferns with Obama. It's just, uh, yeah, I think it's, it's influenced the whole, uh, the whole of comedy in a really powerful way. So yeah, as, as, you know, just being an actor on there, I'm not a stand-up comedian or, or an improviser or anything. It's just, uh, it's cool to watch them do what they do and uh, uh, kind of learn from that uh, freedom that they have. So you never enrolled in the UCB class? No, I that. missed that. Yeah, I, some people were doing that when I was at college, but I never... Uh, I never went and did any of that. Yeah, but it's become yeah. It's you know it's it's really blown up. Wait, so. did you think about it though? No, I I just um I I didn't even have a uh, <laughs> smartphone until I was like twenty five. So I just like wasn't I uh you know now with podcasts and. Uh, with everything, like I feel much more up on what's happening right. in comedy and all that. And like in college, I was mostly Wait, like you're just not kind that of much older a... than 25 yeah. now. <laughs> I know it's been it's Wait been a recent. Second. Yeah, I'm like it's one thing if I say I, yeah. I didn't have a smartphone no, until I was 25. I but... kind of was just you know off wait, on my happened? own thing yeah, in what college. There? Yeah, how I did just... you? <laughs> how wait? No, let's stop. Let's <laughs> let's find this out because. You know, you talk about like the spoils series that's yeah. that's done because of the ease of technology. Right. The <laughs> that's when I got a, a social out. media and a smartphone. <laughs> but you're part of the Facebook generation, so how do you how do you go through all of those teen college years without? Didn't without, have any of it. Without being part of that, I, I was soured on Facebook and all that because the year I went to college, which was early on in, in the Facebook game and before Twitter and everything, there was just this epidemic of people creating like fake accounts for me and like all this bullshit. Sure, you're a so, like, so and Facebook, which to this day I think is proven like they do not care about helping you protect your privacy no matter who you are. So that was a big turnoff because you know having like distant relatives go like, You've been saying some weird stuff to me on Facebook and having to go, No, that's that's not me. That's some, you know, 
crazy person. Um, so I just avoided all of it and didn't like it. And I, in many ways, kind of uh, those were the best years of your life because I wasn't looking at my phone all the time and everything. And now it's like got to really control it so I'm not scrolling through Twitter for an hour before I go to sleep. But that just sort of led to it being like, you know, I was doing school in this studio program and, you know, lived this kind of certain way in New York. And, like, I didn't really certain quite... Certain way. Was, <laughs> is that code for bohemian? No, no, not that. Just, <laughs> Off like... Off the grid? I would just, I say, like, head in the clouds almost. Just, like, because mm-hmm. there was studies and, you know, friends and stuff like that. But I didn't really start plugging back in into the, the business in that way until, like, 2012, 2013. Okay. And then it was like, oh, it's been great because, you know, you know, it's nice to know what a podcast is. <laughs> right, because you didn't even have a phone... No, I, I was very proud. I had the same flip phone, oh, yeah, flip phone. from okay. uh, t- 2006 until 2012. Did yeah. you ever think about <laughs> going the Bill Murray route and just have like a, a voicemail number that people call? There's there's a lot that's appealing about that. Yeah, you can you can sort of uh, do things your own way, but no, I don't think I'm. You, you, know, you got to be Bill Murray to pull that off. <laughs> well, you're getting. And there. It's been great to like to have some meetings or projects sometimes when people would be like, "We love Bill Murray for this role." If we can get a hold of him, <laughs> like all right, I'll right, believe it when I see it. <laughs> Wait, so what was what was the moment that got you back into the the smartphone? Uh, my flip phone broke into two pieces, mm-hmm. and I was like, "It's time! Like, it's time to do this." <laughs> no, literally, I, I in, until you know now I'm a, a big user of the Notes app, but I literally just would write things on on post its and live life that way. <laughs> post its in my flip phone, so. <laughs> It was nice to be off, somewhat you, off the grid. Are you still not on social media? No, I have I have that stuff now. Okay, yeah, that I that was yeah. What made you when, do that? When when spoils came out and I did the Entourage movie, that confluence of things was like, all right, it's it, it basically like it's difficult to meaningfully promote things if you don't engage in social media. So I was like, all right, I'll stop being such a you know jerk about this. <laughs> <laughs> So now, you know, you're doing Silicon Valley. It's it's renewed for another season. Yeah. I'm 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 going to guess since you're sitting down with me for an interview that you might be around for a little while. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or you're not here to just promote it's, it's next possible. week's episode. <laughs> Please get this interview done before It's not Game of Thrones, so yeah. It's uh yeah, people's lives are a little bit safer on this show, but yeah, it's it's a, it's such a funny season and uh, the character is a really there, there is just I can't elaborate too much, but there are just certain little qualities of Keenan that you could take and run with. These very, very funny things. Keenan Feldspar. Keenan Feldspar. Yeah, like a genius venture capitalist. Yeah, VR, uh, virtual uh, reality, VR guy. Yeah, one of those dudes. Those really young guys who make too much money too fast. <laughs> now you know Silicon Valley is one of those shows in particular where they cast it and they. They accidentally or not cast a bunch of people who were already longtime friends, like Thomas, TJ, Kamel, yeah, uh, Zach. Those four guys had known each other and performed together for about ten years before they got the yeah. show. Yeah. So, is there anything weird about stepping into that dynamic as the new guy, no. even though you're a known? person it's it's because of them too like that environment and it yeah it's i mean those guys have so much experience and are such you know are towering figures in comedy and there you know there is 
it could be, uh, you know, something that would be nerve-wracking to step into, but because they're such nice guys, and because, you know, this was the same thing on Spoils of Babylon, like working with uh, Kristen Wiig and everybody, is that the people who are really, really excellent at that stuff uh, make you better, too. It's a comfortable thing to step into. They're so good that you're right. like, the it's a it's a fun and playful thing to step into that, and that's been true with, with all these projects. So, yeah, it's it's been great, and... and uh, you know, I was playing golf with Martin Starr a couple weeks ago. Like, just a really fun group of guys to to. How get are you and with. Martin as golfers? Um, he is just a natural athlete because he was like, "Oh, I haven't played golf in like seven years," and like it was rough on the first tee, and then by the end, he was playing great. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he just kind of picks up things. What about <laughs> you? I've been playing for a long time, but I stopped when I was in New York for like eight years. So well, like, right, it's tough to play in New York. City. Yeah, there's the little robot thing in Chelsea Piers where the ball comes up out of the ground. It's but uh, no, I, I just in the last years I've been getting back into it. And I play with my dad like every weekend. So. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's a nice, nice little thing we do. So, yeah. you know, if you, you have Silicon Valley, if Oasis gets picked up, do you not have any like long-term goals because you're like, well, things are going pretty well right now. This was really when I came back to LA and like started doing these things and started with Alpha House and everything a couple of years ago. The goal was to 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 do shows like this and to you know it's that's I mean it's wonderful walking around Silicon Valley because you know it's such an achievement to have a show that runs for four successful seasons and everything. So right. to get in with something like that and hopefully you know there's the same future for. Oasis, um, you know, some of the most interesting work right now is happening on, uh, you know, on, you know, in series and everything. So right. uh, I'm really happy in that zone right now. And I think the next step for me is digging up some of these uh, things I've been working on since college and hopefully making some of my own work in the in the near future. So cool. Yeah. Um, before I let you go, um, if if a current child actor comes up to you and they're like, I know you've 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 did it. You've done it. You're you're still successful as a, as a grown person with all the hair. Um, <laughs> yes, what's, grow what's, as much hair as you what's can. Your, yeah. What's, <laughs> well, what? What's seriously though? What's the first thing you tell a child actor today about how to how to navigate life in show business? It's tough because uh, I think when uh, you're people are giving advice to, to someone at that age, like that, you know, for any profession or anybody, the transition from being a kid to adulthood is a tough path with a lot of, uh, you know, tough decisions and everything. And I would just say what, you know, the best advice that I got from people was to some form of, you know, only do it if you really enjoy it and believe in it, you know, they, cause I, Times where that has happened, not so much with child actors, but, you know, sometimes you have, like, Q&As at uh, film festivals and everything when people seem like they're really not enjoying the struggle of it, going, like, how do I break through? And it's like, well, you know, it's uh, <laughs> it's really hard. It's a really tough industry, and you might be really good and never really break through or anything. So right. I, I think Brian Cranston said at some point, he's like, yeah, you just have to be doing it because you love it, you know, the, you know having a breakthrough of some kind is just a bonus or I think something like that. Yeah. That's why I asked, that's why I asked if you considered other options. Yeah. No, I mean, I, uh, yeah, it's, and it's been a a privilege that I uh, joined the PGA tour. (laughs) I would, if I could do that, I would love to love to play those courses. I, I'm one of those, you know, nerds who watch golf on television. (laughs) I've done some of them. Yeah. I've done a Samuel Jackson's, uh, a tournament, uh, Mm -hmm. for a couple of years in, in Europe. 
And uh, that's always really fun. I did a Michael Douglas's tournament to benefit uh, Motion Picture Television Fund for a lot of years. So right. yeah, it's a that's a uh, that's a fun thing to do. <laughs> well, I'm just happy to know that it, that acting is still fun for you. Oh my gosh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you'll you'll see it coming up on Silicon Valley. Like those, you know, you just those days at work, you just don't want to end. <laughs> <laughs> well. Uh, I don't want this to end, but it has to. So you got, yeah, Haley. before they they break through the wall with saws. <laughs> so thanks a lot, Haley. Thank you, man. It. Talk to you soon. This episode of the Comics Comic Presents Last Things First was produced by Alex Brazell at Showbiz Studios. The music by Camille Harris and Shockwave. Logo by Giggle Chick. Please check out my website, thecomicscomic.com more interviews, reviews, and comedy news. Become a paid subscriber at patreon.com. I'm your host, Sean McCarthy. Thanks for listening. Last things first. Last things first.